Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. I'm Jamie Smith. I host the Burnley FC podcast, known and ever, and also report on the Premier League and the Champions League for Perform. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site. I'm also part of the team that do the Back of the Net football show on community radio here in, uh, in in Surrey. So you can check both of those out. You can catch me on Twitter at the Eaglesbeak. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys, especially Jamie. We haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, obviously, and unfortunately, Burnley in the championship this season. How are things going for you? It's going quite well. I think um, all Burnley fans probably agree that we've not really played our best football yet but we're in the top six and winning most games so it's been a strange start to the season but I think there's parallels to a couple of years ago when we were grinding games out at the start of the season then became gradually a bit more expansive as the confidence of the team increased Um, I think Andre Gray is going to be absolutely crucial up front he's got a couple of goals at the weekend he looks like he's coming into form and as the team adapts to having a player of his ilk up front rather than um, Danny Ings who we had last year I think it's going to be very fruitful and the signs of a very good partnership between Gray and Sam Volts up front I think um, a lot of questions were, were raised about Gray because of the size of the fee it's twice what we've paid for anyone in the club's history and there was a lot of um, jealous glances I think from championship clubs who were complaining at us splashing the cash because we've traditionally not really done that and Sean Dyche had made some comments about other championship clubs spending a lot of money so he came across a bit hypocritical but the fact of the matter is we have the money so I think it's up to us what we do with it. Gray's scored a lot of goals in the championship, he's got potential to be a very very good player, his his physical attributes are incredible he's so quick, powerful movement's very good, I think he's going to score a lot of goals and potentially a a very good Premier League player as well I think uh, Joey Barton's come into the side for the last couple of games. He's made a real difference in midfield because we didn't really have much in the middle of the park for the early few weeks. But he's added a bit of experience, a bit more control. And we're two for two since Barton came into the side. So it's a real sign that he's he's made a difference. But the spine of the team's looking very strong. Obviously, we've got Tom Heaton in goal. England's number three at the moment due to injuries. Barton and Jones in midfield, excellent. Michael Keane at the back has had a very good start to the season. He scored a few goals as well. And up front, Graham Volks, I think. It's one of the best partnerships in the league, so it's all good at the moment, and it's just a question of whether we can stay the course because the championship's looking wide open as normal, and it'll be a case of who can stay consistent, who can keep their key players fit, and who can just keep going because it's a long old season and we're only about a quarter of the way through, I think. Yeah, obviously it's good to be sitting up that highly. Uh, a couple of your former alumni, uh, Danny Ings and Kieran Trippier, stayed up in the Premier League. 
Uh, Ings now out for the year. Trippier having a hard time finding his way into the Tottenham side. Uh, have you been kind of surprised by how they performed? Ings obviously started turning things around, got called up for England. Just what is kind of your reaction to what's gone on with those two former Burnley players? I think it, it's been pretty much what I expected. Obviously, um, I rate Trippier very, very highly. I think he's a better player than Kyle Walker, to be fair. But to ask him to, to come into that higher level and play every week straight away, I think that was asking a lot. He's obviously, he's playing the Europa League games, isn't he? And he gave away yeah. a penalty in the first three minutes of the points <laughs> goal. So he's, he's not done himself a lot of favours, but... I think he'll settle in. Obviously, it's a new environment. He was at Burnley a long time. And Spurs is a bigger club with just more competition and a lot more going on. So I think it'll take a while. Um, but I, I do think he'll be your number one right back by the end of the season. And he's maybe even got an outside chance of going to Euro 2016 because I think England's choice at right back, they're not incredible. Like There's a lot of decent options. I'm sure Jay would probably mention Joel Ward at Palace. I think there's a lot of players who might just have a chance of getting in there. And I think Trippier's got a chance as well. Um, Ings, I think it's a massive shame about his knee injury because I think he was really starting to settle and I think he'd have been perfect for Klopp as well he likes his, his strikers to be able to press and Ings has certainly got that in his game so for him to get injured I think it was the first training session under Klopp as well it's such a shame but um, apparently the injury's not as bad as, as the first report suggested so he might play again this season but you've got to say his chance to go into the Euros are, are slim to non-existent now but I think he was just starting to show what he could do. He's had bad injuries in the past and come back. He's still a young lad. I think he'll still have a very good career, but I suppose the concern is that Liverpool go out and spend in January. He's already talked that they might try and buy Lewandowski, which is obviously unlikely, I think, but if they're going to get linked with players like that, they've already got Benteke, Sturridge. They've got these excellent players, so Ings' chances, I, I don't know how it's going to affect him, but I think he's got a manager who's... Well, I think he'll show patience. Ings' response to the injury has been fantastic. He was at the turf on Saturday, actually, obviously catching up with some old friends. He's done interviews saying that he's staying positive. And I think he, I think he'll still go on to do really well. And I'm just I'm really disappointed for him, to be honest, because I, I think he was starting to show his best football. Yeah, Jay, obviously not as happy a day out for you at the weekend, uh, suffering a 3-1 loss to West Ham. But it didn't really feel like a 3-1 loss, did it? No, I'm just glad Sean's not on to gloat in this podcast. To be quite honest, <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, now you're right. I mean, I don't, I don't feel that we deserve the three-one win, but I guess you, you know, games happen like that sometimes. I think the big talking point is the Dwight Gale sending off. Where I've got no, no arguments about it. The first one was a bit soft, perhaps the first booking, but you know, a player's already on a booking, goes in uh, with another challenge right before half time, which is a critical point. You know, we got back into the game after West Ham had taken a lead through Jenkinson, and we got back into the game with a with a with a twice taken penalty from Kabay and. Um, you know, just shows the quality of the guy when he dispatches a second penalty uh, almost as well as a first. So, um, but Dwight Gale, you know, silly, silly thing to do with a second. Um, my only bugbear about it is I've got no qualms about two yellow cards, but the amount of games you see in the Premier League where players aren't penalised for two bookings, um, exactly exact thing happened against Arsenal at home earlier in the season where Coquelin was booked quite early on. He kept on making challenges throughout the game, Was had a long 
you know, talking to by the referee, and Wenger had the chance to take him off. Now, I'm not moaning about the fact that Dwight Gale's been sent off because it was right, two bookable challenges, he's gone off. That's that's fair enough. But it's got to be consistent. I, you know, every referee's different, I know, but you can't kind of, you know, allow some players to, you know, to, to have a chance to stay on the pitch and be told. I mean, I, I noticed that Gale did have a long talking to from the referee after his first booking. So whether that was his last warning, silly, you know, silly things to do what he did. So, and he's actually come out on Twitter that evening and has apologised to the fans and the club. So, you know, we move on from that. And to be honest, it was a really good game actually the first half um, up until that point. Oh, well, up until half time because the second half was never going to be anything like the first half. You know, before kickoff, I was looking forward to the game because Palace and West Ham are very well matched in terms of attacking abilities, uh, in terms of players we've got, you know, with talent. Um, and it lived up to it the first half, I think. You know, both teams having to go at each other. West Ham took the lead. Um, the goal was, uh, I think, Wilf Zaha, while it's not a defender, was at fault for not looking over his shoulder and letting Jenkinson in behind him, really. And, um, and we, we came back pretty well, actually, from that going to goal down. We, within minutes, we'd won a penalty through Dwight Gale. A bit of clever play from you know, a young striker who you can see what he's done. West Ham complained about the penalty, but I think it's probably rightly awarded just about. Um, Gale got in front of Jenkinson. Jenkinson went through and, uh, and just took his foot. But, um, yeah, I, I mean... The, <laughs> It, it's it's a it's a game that Gale can probably forget about. That's probably the only good thing he did in the game. It, there's something about him during the game. I think it wasn't it wasn't his usual self. We were playing the ball up to him in the air. He's not a big guy. He's he's trying to win headers against the likes of James Collins and and Tompkins, which is never. I think he I think he got one flick on. But it's, you know that role in our team is specifically for somebody such as Wickham. Um, he works perfectly in the role when he's fit. Um, playing Gale in that role, we've got to play. The, we've got to work the channels for him. Play the ball to feet, you know, to him, especially against big guys like that. But he won the penalty for us. But penalty had to be retaken because Dwight Gale was. I think he had run past Kabai uh, by the time he took the penalty. The first one, to be fair, um, he was actually on the line. Think, he had more chance of saving it than Adria. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very bizarre. <laughs> it, it just I, there was something weird about Gale in that first half. Whether it's just mine wasn't in it or. I, I don't know. It, it, it was very odd because we hadn't I hadn't seen him quite like that before. He was he was harassing the defenders and stuff like that. But it's just something I don't know whether there's something in the background going on. Um, I, I I I don't know. He looked disappointed to be sent off, but I, it's a really odd one. But the second penalty, uh, Kawhi dispatched a second or the retake. Well, um, but again, Gal was in the area, <laughs> um, so he didn't learn from his from the first one. But yeah, it was a good first half. Other than sending off, the sending off changed the game. We made changes. Well, we made a change at half time. We took Wilf off, who didn't have a great first half. Um, but I think we spoke before the pod that both Zaha and Balassia equally frustrating players to watch on their day they're brilliant you know they're they're fantastic to watch in full fl- days like saturday when west ham had done their homework uh and pretty much done a job on both of them yeah jay i was covering the game actually what you say about gail spot on like it just seemed really distracted i think um mm. Pardew suggested as well didn't he that maybe clattenberg had had a word about the encroaching and that he was frustrated with with gail over that and that might be played into the mm. red card. But yeah, he just didn't seem to be on his game mm. at all. And another point I wanted to ask you about Clattenburg, he seems to be getting a lot of stick from the, the Palace fans even before the game. There's obviously a bit of history there, so maybe that had some sort yeah. of impact on his decision to send Gale off. I don't know. It's 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 another one because I think the, the stats are there to be seen. And at seven games since we've been back in the Premier League, um, this is our third season in succession now. Seven games, Clattenburg's refereed us and we haven't won. 
with him in charge. And I think every game there's been a dubious decision. Um, you know what fans are like. You know, fans, you know, read too much into things. Um, Klattenberg has obviously got, um, you know, a lot of previous. You know, it seems to be, um, particularly in other games, uh, you see him refereeing that, you know, he, he, he does seem to have controversy following around. But I, to be fair, I don't think he um, had a bad game, to be fair. I know I know a lot of Palace fans will disagree with that. A lot of Palace fans say that Gale shouldn't have been sent off. But for me, Gale gave him a, a choice to make and he shouldn't really be giving him a choice or, or a decision to make. So I think that's probably, you know, probably fair. But I, what I would say is that I noticed that West Ham, um, not being critical of West Ham, because Palace don't really do this, but they were on at Klattenberg the whole game. And I noticed literally five minutes before that second yellow for Gale, Mark Noble was in Klattenberg's ear for running running with him back to the centre spot. And as, you know, as the game was going on, he was talking to him. I'm not saying that had anything to do with or influence in the decision, but there's something for me about players consistently going on at a referee I don't. I don't particularly like that. You know, I, I like a fair game. Um, and again, you know, when when got, Gal got his second yellow, none of the Palace players objected to it. No, none of the Palace players, you know, kind of run up and said, "No, that's the wrong decision." Kabai was probably the only one that said anything when when Gal had already gone off the pitch and Clattenburg was walking back, you know, waiting for the free kick to be taken. So, yeah, it's a it was it was a very peculiar afternoon, I have to say, because we were so close to holding out as well. Um, you know, Kabai went off because I think he was exhausted. I mean, he, he worked hard again for me. He was our best player. Um, and we had Yednak on the pitch and Deadly, who came on just to do a job, really. Um, we didn't have a chance. We didn't have an outlet out of front. We played Balassi up front, who's not a striker. I don't know how many times Parge is going to um, keep trying Balassi as a striker, but he's just not got that know-how as a striker and he's far better playing out wide. So um, for me, we might have a bit of trouble in the next game because Wickham's out injured, Shamak's out injured, Bamford's just not in the picture whatsoever. Uh, Gale out suspended and we've sold uh, Glenn Murray as Palace fans keep telling, reminding us who all. Who just scored so, at the weekend, yeah. Who, who just scored at the weekend. But just to bring it back up again and the fact that he wanted to leave the club didn't want to sell him, but he wanted to go. So what do a player that, uh, you know, in that scenario and, you know, his age wants football. He's going to get football at Bournemouth now. Between now and the end of the season, he's going to be playing consistently. Uh, we couldn't perhaps guarantee that. So fair play. I mean, uh, he, he will always be a legend in our eyes. So um, he's gone. But I wish Palace fans would stop saying, you know, because we didn't know Wickham's going to get injured. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Uh, Wickham fits our formation, as I mentioned earlier, so well. Um, Gal doesn't quite so, but we've we've had to, you know, try him a bit. So I'm expecting Campbell to start for us up front next week. And I don't mind Campbell. A lot of fans, not particularly keen, but you know, he works his, uh, his backside off uh, when he plays up front. Um, so hopefully that will work for us. But for me, I'd rather have Wickham and... I want to see Shamak playing with Kabai in the team because I think that could be pretty special, but we'll see. Yeah, unlikely to have any Shamak-based bets <laughs> this year <laughs> on goal scored, however. Um, yeah, you already addressed the striker situation, which is what I was going to ask about, so I guess we can just move on to the Tottenham portion of the podcast. Um, really not much has been going on aside from injuries and... The match that happened on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about it, but there's uh, this Jurgen Klopp guy. He's in the Premier League now, managing Liverpool. Um, There was somewhat of a fuss made about it, but there was actually a match played. Uh, Nil-nil draw with Liverpool at White Hart Lane. Uh, And amidst all the the craziness, um, 
it ended up not being too bad. Uh, Nil-nil was fairly exciting, honestly, for the first about 60 minutes or so before everybody was way too tired to continue going. Uh, It was the first time this season that a team's outrun Liverpool or sorry, outrun Tottenham, uh, which I think is kind of a credit to both sides. We knew Klopp would come in and try to, you know, instill this kind of pressing football. We weren't sure it would work so quickly, and it did seem to. Uh, they also managed to keep a clean sheet. That's how a nil-nil works. Um, but Moussa Dembele uh, was excellent for us, filling that Eric Dyer-shaped hole in the midfield. Um, had some pretty impressive stats with five successful take-ons and a perfect eight out of eight tackles attempted uh, were converted successfully. So uh, it, it opens this huge Pandora's box of options for us going forward. We'll kind of know what's happening on Thursday in Europa League, but having to decide between Dembele, Ali, and Dyer will be difficult. A lot of Tottenham fans deciding that this is how Dembele plays every week, which we know is not the case. Uh, this is how he plays on his best days, but sometimes those are few and far between. So uh, I still think Dyer and Ali is our best pairing because we clearly have a defender and we clearly have an attacker. And Ali has a very creative mind, which is something we struggled a lot with last year with Erickson really being the only person able to create chances. Uh, Son and Chadley both very good at it, both injured. Uh, just as we're recording this, uh, my <laughs> uh, Twitter slash couch doctoring seemed to be correct uh nasser chadley with a high ankle sprain out for a month plus um makes clinton and g very interesting he's likely to get the start on the left wing he did play well he he was kind of cold at the beginning of the match and grew into it but he he has just match altering pace um and had an excellent outside of the boot chance uh that Mignolet parried away uh that that easily could have been the winner but all in all, not too frustrated. Another nil-nil draw, another clean sheet. That's four for us. Still have the best defensive record in the league level with Arsenal on seven goals conceded. Uh, so very pleased with that. And the fact that we were able to do it without Dyer, in large part thanks to Dembele. But, you know, we, we were a little worried coming into this one that we could get done over like we have been so often by Liverpool lately. Um, so coming away with a nil-nil, I think we're, we're very pleased with. It's another point gained on last season's tally, uh, just like the win against Palace was. Uh, as we only got one point off them last season. So, <laughs> with three, that's already three times as many points. I'm just killing it with the math today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so all in all, very pleased with that. Very pleased with Pochettino. I know some people are less excited. There were still some Poch out people after this match, which blew my mind. Um, it is funny how much the the media is starting to view us as legitimate now that we held Liverpool to a draw despite the fact we're ahead of them in the table and finished ahead of them for the last five years. But that's neither here nor there. We're not here to inflame half of our audience base, which is Liverpool fans. All right, and from there we are going to go into the topic, which is kind of something we've, we've touched uh, before in the Premier League, which is this closing of the wealth and talent gap uh, where we've seen a lot of surprising results of quote-unquote lower table sides beating bigger sides. Uh, Jamie, is that happening in the championship as well? Um, a little bit, but I think the championship's always so unpredictable that it's difficult to draw trends, especially this early on. I think Brighton are, are higher than a lot of people expected, Reading also, but apart from that, the teams that are at the top, Burnley, Middlesbrough, Derby, they're the teams that are back for promotion, so... Yeah, I think um, 
the championship does have surprise packages sometimes, but also the teams that have got the money, teams that have got the big fan bases, they're the teams that tend to do well. So I'm I'm not sure um, that it's the same in the championship. I think what is clear is that teams that have got the money to spend, it it still doesn't guarantee success. But I think you see in the Premier League, don't you, that if you compare the league table to, to salary spent, the, the amount of money teams pay on wages, they seem to be very similar. And I think the Championship might get to a similar sort of thing at some point, I think. It's it's interesting that clubs like West Ham, I think, can go out and buy players like Dimitri Payet, who are one of the best players from League One, and West Ham are just a, a mid-table club. I think we're going to see more of that as the, the new TV deal comes in. But whether that filters down to the Championship, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work with parachute payments and stuff like that. I think it's it's crucial for clubs like us to try and be in the Premier League when that new TV deal comes in because I think it's hard enough to compete as a smaller club. Um, but if we're not in there when that happens, I think there's a real chance that clubs like Burnley could get locked out potentially for good. That would obviously be a shame as, as you did a great service to your, your club up in the Premier League last season. Jay, obviously it wasn't too long ago that we weren't talking about you as Champions League contenders. But uh, you were in the championship. Uh, are you thinking things are still looking the same, or do you think this is having some impact? I can relay very similar sentiments to Jamie there, actually, because um, it, you know we spent a long time in a championship. It's a crazy division. I mean, I think the season we uh, well, the last two two times we've been up, both times it's I think the season the time before was actually we were in the bottom three by Christmas, and we actually got promotion. Uh, that proves how crazy a division it, it, it can really be. Um, there are some big clubs in that division. Um, I don't buy into the fact that you know fans seem to think that because you're a big club, you should be in the Premier League. Um, it's a lot to do with what you do on the pitch, uh, funnily enough. But I have a real fear of the Championship being ruined by the fact that this money in the Premier League is going to be available. There's going to be a real chance that the teams that are being relegated from the Premier League are going to be the teams that are going to be going back up because they have the money. If 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 they're managed in the right way. I mean, teams have done it before. They've gone down, gone straight back up. I really hope Burnley do it this time around, I, I have to say. Um, Norwich have done it. Um, but there are teams that haven't managed it. Bolton went down and haven't been seen since. Blackburn went down and haven't been seen since. But I think the new TV deal could possibly change that and it, and we could start seeing familiar faces jump in between divisions on, on a regular basis, unfortunately. And it would be a shame because the Championship is such a competitive division. Uh, and as Jamie said, it's hard to tell at the moment, particularly this season, because you've got Brighton at the top of the table who have never been in in, in, in the Premier League and it's in its current guys. Um, you've got Reading there who who were in there not so long ago, but you've got a real mixture of teams in and around there. And you've got teams like Derby. Who have uh, been so close like the last three years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of talent there, a lot of talent in both management, a lot of talent in players. Um, and it's always turns out into a bun fight, a championship. It really does. And it's really difficult you know, um, divisions to get out of. And, you know, I remember a similar, when, when we were, um, you know, fighting for promotion a season, we did actually come up. Yeah, I had a conversation with a lot of fans and because of the situation we were in money-wise and we had no scouting network after our uh, infamous money troubles a few years before, a lot of fans saying, you know, don't want us to go up. We want to get straight before we go up. But you just can't plan that sort of thing. You know, if you get a chance to go up, go up. You know, the money's in the Premier League and it's going to be even more so next time. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's strange because even when you've got a, a club like Bournemouth and there was all the media attention about what an amazing story it was and 
And to be fair, it is an amazing story that a club the size of Bournemouth with a stadium that holds, what, 11,000 or something can be in the Premier League, and it is. It's a fairy tale. But they still had the millionaire owner who was pumping the money in. And all right, they didn't outspend championship clubs. There were a lot of championship clubs that spent a lot more money than Bournemouth last season, but they spent pretty well, certainly for a club of that size, and they wouldn't have that money if it wasn't for... For the rich owner, so but they I have lost a lot of that money. Uh, the preview article I just did for the Tottenham Bournemouth match is right now they're missing sixty percent of their transfer budget over the last three seasons on the players that are out at least six months. With uh, it is crazy. Elphick such and bad Callum Wilson and Max Gridell and Tyrone Mings. That's sixty percent. That's of their what last I was going to come spend. on to next. I think it's. Even if you've got the money, a club like Bournemouth, it's so hard to survive. I think Saturday's game was a really good example because, all right, they got beaten quite heavily by Man City, and you'd probably expect that. But they had a, a, I think they had a shout for a penalty, and then the first goal that City scored was offside. So it could have all been different. And all right, City might have still gone on to win it, but I think if if you're not even getting those decisions when you're up against it. I think your chances are very slim. I think there's there is a chance that the rich clubs just just thrive and those with small budgets just find it harder and just try to survive. I think it's interesting that even Slav and Bilic after West Ham's win at the weekend, they'd gone third in the league, I think, at the time. And he was still talking about staying up was the primary goal. I was like, you you're third in the league, you've got like however many points already on the board. You've got a little ahead more than that but that's how it is you've got probably six teams the top six are scrapping for Europe and everyone else just staying up so they're interested in because you've just got to stay in the league and they're not interested in cup runs or anything like that so I find it a bit depressing but also as a football fan I obviously want to see my club up there so I'm a bit conflicted <laughs> um, but yeah it's, you, I don't particularly like the way football's you. going but I think it's mm. just the way it is and unless um, a few years ago when ITV Digital went bust, a lot of the Football League was finding it difficult because they'd come to rely on that money. But yeah. I don't see someone like Sky Sports going bust, so I don't think anything like that's going to happen. I think if football is a bubble, I can't I can't think what it's going to be to burst it and let it go back to something more realistic because the money's not even being spent on on anything useful for fans, I think. The new TV deal, there's research saying that Premier League clubs could let everyone in for free and they'd still have more money because of the increased TV deal. But mm. the money's just going to go in players' pockets. You'll end up with players on half a million pound a week, and probably agents. the top players. And it'll still be like 50 mm. quid to go and watch games. I think it's going to be insane. and it's Working class fans are going to get priced out and I think that's really disappointing. Mm. You made some good points there, Jamie, actually. One of the ones I'll pick up on is the fact that Bournemouth haven't had great luck this season already. I mean, three three of their named players are out injured for the season, which is you know, terrible, particularly Mings. They paid £8 million for him, I think. It's a player that we were looking at as well when yeah. I think we uh, were pushed up a bit way, uh, money-wise and we didn't we didn't plump for the you know, for the deal in the end. But £8 million, you know, you know, well, even with a rich owner, it's a lot of money for Bournemouth to spend. And to lose him to the season, to end up being relegated, they've got players like that on a on a, on a large wage and and, and shelled out money for them and hardly seen them. But the, the other point you made is about you know the luck on the pitch. I mean, exactly right about the City game. They had the very same bad luck in the Liverpool game away. I remember. Uh, I think they had a goal disallowed, 
Uh, and then I think Liverpool went up the other end and scored an offside goal. So, yeah, I, I remember very similar when we when we first came up, Ian Holloway in charge. That was the end of Holloway because we had four or five games where we had some real tough decisions in. Um, Holloway was fined, banned from the touchline for two games, and that was the start of his demise. It really was. And we were just you know, lucky enough to get somebody in, um, you know, like Pulis, like we did, to, who steadied the ship as such. But uh, that perhaps did us a favour. But I think, you know, some of the clubs don't, particularly get the rubber the green when they first come up or, or during that first season then you know that kind of goes against them again I think this season is panning out to be a season where it could well be the same three teams that came up may well go down but you know it's a long way to go yeah a lot of football still to be played um, but just looking at the teams that have come up you know Norwich had you know got smashed yesterday against Newcastle of all teams and then um, we played Watford away from home we stopped their front two from doing anything and they just looked like they couldn't do anything none of the you know the rest of the team didn't look like they had goals in them I know it's one game you know games are different they come back in other games but it's just a feeling that with them and a couple of us mixed in perhaps from you know previous Premier League seasons that have been hanging around uh, for their lives for a while might just favour that those three might go down again yeah, I think a really interesting thing that we we have yet to see is how much money uh, will will be in those new parachute payments with the new Premier League money coming in. Is it directly related? Will the teams that have already been down one year continue to get at the current rate or at the new rate? I think that could really mix things up. And the fact that there's so little information out on it right now uh, is a little concerning just because you'd like to kind of know what your situation is. But I guess we'll learn that in time. All right, well, we're going to move on to Player Watch, where we each have a few minutes to discuss who impressed and who disappointed for us in our club's most recent fixture. Jamie, just because you're in the championship doesn't mean you're not a part of this. Who impressed and disappointed in your last fixture? Uh, well, I, I didn't actually see the game because I was at work, but two goals for Andre Gray. I think he's been outstanding recently. We really are starting to, to see the best of him. I think he's so sharp, his movements absolutely terrific and the partnership with him and Sam Volts really seems to be knitting together I think um, his, his raw physical attributes great it's just going to be too much for a lot of championship defenders to deal with and I'm already excited to see what he can do in the Premier League whether that's for us or somebody else I'm very confident that next season I would say as early as next season he'll be in the Premier League whether that's for us or somebody else um, I think he's probably going to get 20 odd goals this season and possibly and I've I've been made sort of daft by making predictions like this before, but I think he could be an England player because I think he's got everything in his locker. He's come to football quite late. Comparable to Ian Wright in a way, in the way that he's he's come up through non-league, he's had a difficult upbringing, which he's talked about, and he seems to have that real hunger and desire. He obviously loves playing football, and I think he's going to go all the way. And yeah, I think Andre Gray is going to be crucial for us. If he stays fit, keeps scoring goals, I think we've got a very good chance of getting promoted this season. And who disappointed for you? I think everyone's played quite well. Um, George Boyd's form's been a bit a bit up and down this season. He went off injured at the weekend, I think, so hopefully it's not too serious. But Boyd, before Gray signed, was our joint record signing. And a lot of people thought, even when he signed last summer, that it was with half an eye on if we got relegated, he'd be a very good player in the Championship. I was expecting probably 10 goals, 10 assists as a minimum from him, and he's not really performed, he was low on confidence, he scored one very good goal, but it looks like that's just come out of nowhere at the moment, it's very strange, and if he is injured, hopefully it won't be too serious, but a spell on the sidelines might just be what he needs at the moment, to take a step back, reconsider his game, how he goes about it, because he should be tearing it up, and he's not so far, I think if anyone's been a disappointment, 
it probably is him, but we are fifth in the table. Uh, I think level of points with second, so it it is nitpicking really to complain too much at this stage. Yeah, Jay, obviously not the result you wanted. Who impressed and disappointed for you against West Ham? Well, I don't think you're going to be too surprised at a disappointing player. Um, Does it start with good that... and end with ale? Uh, <laughs> Gale, yeah, you got it right. Um, yeah, two yellow cards culminating in the red card, uh, one a penalty, encroached into both penalty takes. <laughs> so, uh, and, and yeah, quite a mad half for him. So, wasn't like him, as I mentioned before. Um, so, I don't need to go over it again, particularly. He was disappointing because of the fact that that red card meant that we ultimately lost the game when we would have had a probably we would have had a better chance of uh, challenging West Ham in a second half and it would have been a good second half I think if anything like the first half went so um so yeah Dyke Gale was my disappointment um as for impressed it's it's got to be Johan Kabai again um he's running this team this season and when you consider I, I did a few Q&As for um for a couple of West Ham sites last week uh, ahead of the game um and I was just glowing of uh, Johan Gabay because he's been so impressive for us and when you consider the fact that I think all I need to say is last season we had Mile Jednak in that position he, he's been great for us for the past five or six years you know no um, no disrespect to Mile Jednak but to have Johan Gabay in the middle in his place now um, and seeing what Johan Gabay brings us um, he's just running the team uh, he really is and while he couldn't do it alone on Saturday especially with 10 men um, he still impresses me every game so far, um, and I guess you know some people say that he should impress for for the money we pay for him. But he's doing what we expect him to do, which is fantastic. Yeah, for Tottenham, Danny Rose is the player that impressed me most. It was a little surprising that he got the start over Ben Davis, who has done nothing to lose his job. But to be fair, Danny Rose had done nothing to lose it to Ben Davis in the first place. So I don't know if it's matchup based or if he's just flipping a coin. Um, but Danny Rose did get the start and did perform well. He pinned, he pinned Milner back uh, early in the match after he got his yellow. That's Milner, not not Rose. Um, and he he stopped several pretty threatening counterattacks, got forward, and he does offer more in attack than Ben Davis does. Got got a couple crosses in where if Harry Kane was in his you know last year form, probably would have gotten on the end of. And that's a very convenient segue into the player that disappointed me, which is Harry Kane. And it's. Not that he's not scoring goals, because goals come and go, you know, and it was always inevitable that he wasn't going to live up to last year's expectations. Um, I mentioned elsewhere, uh, actually it might have been on this show, I don't know, I mentioned somewhere um, that Harry Kane is suffering from, I was really good last year and was an English player and now there are expectations and now everybody's going to think I'm awful for a year before I neutralize. Ross Barkley is now finally on the positive side of that. Was great two years ago. Everybody thought he was the worst footballer on earth last year. Now he's a very talented youngster again. Because those are the margins we're talking. Still a very young player. The truth is somewhere in between last year and this year. Is he going to be a 20-goal scorer in the Premier League every season? No. Is he going to be around 15 and be kind of Defoe-esque? I think so. Um, which is no uh, insult by any stretch. So um, the thing that's most disappointing about Kane now is he's forcing the issue too much except when it counts which is in the finishes which I know Jay can attest to it from last year Kane's greatest strength is finding the bottom corner from anywhere on the pitch 
Um, that one against you where he was all the way to the right and somehow dragged it all the way back mm. to the left corner. It, it's what he does. Um, it, and it, yeah. it catches keepers so off guard because you'd expect them to go near post in all those situations. But the problem is he's not actually aiming for the corner anymore. It's about a foot in on either side, which is exactly enough space for the keeper to get mm. his hand on it. A lot of people gave Mignolet a lot of props yesterday. And his positioning was great. And the stop on NG was genuinely terrific. But if you're counting the two saves that he had on Kane shots as great saves, you're misreading the situation. Because Kane drove it within a perfectly reachable distance. And it doesn't matter how hard you're hitting it if you're hitting it into the legs of the keeper. Um, And we had this with Adebayor when he started tanking after his first amazing season where he had 17 goals and 12 assists. Um, That was the year when we finished fourth, but not in the Champions League. But I'm not... I'm not going to dig all of that back up. But it's the same issue where once you start to lose your confidence, you're a little less daring on the finish. Uh, and so he's not willing... Because he's so worried about missing it wide. I think he's thinking it's a better option to play it a little safer. But that's exactly why it's not working. Um, I have every confidence he'll figure it out. The fact that Alan Shearer and Wayne Rooney have vested personal interest in Harry Kane and his success, I think is excellent. Having people like that around and willing to kind of hype him up, especially Rooney, who's been going through a lot of this himself lately um, with trouble finding the net. I think that that's all good. I think he'll turn it around and be an excellent Premier League striker. But right now, he's disappointing, and it seems to finally be affecting his mental condition, which up until now, I think we doubted. Um, But now is very much a concern. We desperately need a second striker in January, which means that Daniel Levy won't do it or will be linked to Damiao for a month. Um, but hopefully we can get somebody in because Sun can deputize there, yes. So can NG, but we need somebody that can hold that position down if Kane continues to struggle the way he has been. And with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or would like to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. I've been Jamie Smith. I host the Burnley podcast, No Name Ever. Um, so if you are particularly interested in hearing more about Burnley or Championship football in general, please give that a listen. We're on Twitter as well at none and ever net and you can follow me if you want to my twitter name is jamie smith with two f's rather than th because i'm an idiot basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm jay i'm editor of the eaglesbeak.com a palace fan site you catch us on twitter at the eagles beak i also work on the back of the net football show which is uh, on community radio Susie radio if you're not local uh, in the surrey area then catch it on the tune in radio app um, but you can catch us on Twitter at underscore back of the net underscore. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to this podcast, which you're already doing, or you can listen to the Fantasy Premier League podcast that we have that goes up Thursday mornings. You can check out my writings at blog.playtaga.com, where I cover Tottenham, Crystal Palace, and Sunderland. Uh, you can also read me on theeaglesweek.com, where I have a weekly price point article on the players you should bring in and drop and you should drop Aguero now. Good news, he's hurt. I was right. Don't worry about the situation in which I said it at first, nor the five goals that immediately followed. Um, but yeah, with that, we are done for today. It was an absolute pleasure having uh, Jamie back on and Jay for joining us as always. So thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening. <laughs>